gang <laughs> i'm back as promised um this is part two of the bbc billionaire boys club murder case um shit was wild wasn't it i <laughs> it was wild i know some of y'all are probably like um bitch how are you gonna just leave us high and dry like that and not you know and and the story but it was it's a long it's a long ass story and like i said last episode we're not even done like we're not even done so now this is part two part two of bbc all right so last time we left off the last place we left off was ron is missing two people from the bbc snitched um they feel like joe has something to do with ron's disappearance they feel like joe murdered ron because joe said it um and you know everybody's kind of just panicking the cops you know investigated ron's house to see what was up um they found uh uh, not ron um joe's little to-do list to to kidnap ron so that's where we are right now so we're gonna just jump right into it um after all the shit that happened last week (laughs) in the episode joe's desperate like he just found out that he has been scammed to the ultimate fucking level um he has like no money to show for it and him and the bbc boys need the money and fast you know he's scrambling and he needed to keep the companies coming and keep up this facade that things were gonna work so he's kind of like in a tight spot right now and as luck would have it this young guy named reza eslaminia shows up on july 7th just 31 days after ron disappears one of the bbc members named ben dosti brings in a new friend reza to a bbc party in this party reza starts bragging about his father's wealth so his father was a 56 year old man named hadayat eslaminia who allegedly got a 30 million dollar fortune as a high-ranking official under the shot of iran he was living in exile in the san francisco bay area since the 1979 iran revolution when the shah was overthrown and the ayatollah khomeini became the supreme leader of iran Hadayat reportedly worked from within the U.S. to overthrow the Ayatollah Khomeini and often flew to Washington, D.C. at the expense of the U.S. State Department. His son Reza was supposedly estranged from his father, who he absolutely hated, and Reza told the BBC that his own father wasn't doing anything for him. Reza told them that he was super wealthy and hiding all of his money, and he also told them that he was furious with his father and wanted to get the money somehow. So now at this point, I'm pretty sure all sorts of bells are ringing in in Joe's head. And within days of meeting Joe and Ben, they were going to come up with a plan to kidnap Reza's father and torture him into signing over his assets. So at this point, it's kind of just like, to me, (laughs) it feels like they already opened that criminal door and there's no closing it. Like so we just decided within days of meeting this person we're gonna kidnap his father who clearly he's hell-bent on revenge but you guys are like blinded by greed basically but whatever joe hunt ben dosti dean carney reza eslaminia and jim Pittman, (laughs) 
all gathered in Northern California and planned the abduction. Hadiat was worried about Khomeini and people killing him, so if he disappeared, it would look like that's the reason. So, I mean, it was kind of perfect if they planned it out right. And according to the plan, they were going to transport him to the Bel Air house, torture him into signing everything over, and then kill him. Everyone agreed to this plan, including Reza. Reza told them he would never give in because he was a tough guy, the, the dad was. Reza said they would have to really make him suffer, and Joe allegedly said, Oh, don't worry. I'll really make him suffer. So it's like, sir, are you for real? Alright, so boom. We spoke about it. We talked about it. We came in with the plan. July 30th, 1984, Joe Hunt and the gang put the plan into motion. Hadiah was in a secure condo, so Joe and Ben dressed up as UPS um, you know, employees and bring a large trunk to the front door. Hadiah let them in, and they immediately jump him. Jim, who was supposed to do the dirty work, got overwhelmed and couldn't do it. Now, let me say this. Sir, you wholeheartedly killed a man in cold blood, like straight up execution style, buried his body in the canyon, shot him up with shotgun shells, but this is too far, this you couldn't do? I'm gonna need you to get it together. He couldn't do this. So, Joe wound up putting chloroform on Hadiah to knock him out. They put him in the trunk and carried it back outside. Dean Carney was sitting in the getaway car. Reza was parked in a Mercedes across the street and watched the whole shit go down. Once they were on the road, Dean and Ben were supposed to open the trunk, put more chloroform on Hadiah, and put handcuffs on him. Dean and Ben were so scared because they started to hear Hadiah in the trunk begging to be let out. The size of the trunk was 39 inches by 13 inches and it was a hot day outside. So he was slowly suffocating. And this is just a recipe for some bad shit. Like, this is not going to turn out well. But they're, they're not realizing that at this time. So neither Dean nor Ben wanted to let him out because they were scared. So Dean used a screwdriver to punch holes in the trunk. Hadiah came to and started screaming again. So Dean got paranoid again and he thought that Hadiah could be heard by people in passing vehicles. So <laughs> Dean puts tape over the holes. Um like can we pick a can we pick a, a, a solution and stick with it? Because this is nuts at this point. And this is why you shouldn't be a criminal. If you, like, I'm going to need you to have, like, five different plans, you know what I'm saying, to, like, finish the job. But whatever. So, while on the way, Hadiah suffocated, and by the time they got him to the Bel Air house, he was dead. So, Joe then basically said, like, it's fine because, you know, his firstborn son is with us. He's down with the plan. And then Joe's, like, plan B at this point was to get um, conservatorship for Reza so that they can transfer all the assets in that way. So it was kind of just like, okay, yeah, he's dead. Like, we can't torture him into signing everything over, but his son is here, so we can kind of, like, get the assets, you know, through his son. On the other side of this, while all this is going on, Hadiat Eslamini's girlfriend reported him missing, and it was immediately published in the San Francisco newspapers the next day. Reza went to go see Hadiah's girlfriend and during the course of the conversation he said I know my father loved you and she said loved 
is he dead? You know, because why would you say that in past... Like, you just gave your whole self away. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But at that point, you know, that conversation kind of rung off alarm bells in her head. So she was thinking, like, maybe it wasn't the Ayatollah Khamenei that is behind this. Like, you know, he's already talking as if his father's dead. So maybe, you know... I don't know. Maybe it's a friend. But either way, she reported this to the cops who went to the FBI. And then the FBI began to look at this angle. They were still thinking it was Khomeini. But the BBC and Reza were basically beasting to get the records to establish Reza as a conservator. Which would give him access to the fortune. So at this point, it's kind of like they're not making it look any better for themselves. To top it off... Jim Pittman told the BBC lawyer that they quote-unquote knocked off Eslamenium. And then the lawyer called the FBI. I'm not entirely sure because I know there's like um, confidentiality between like the lawyer and his um, client. So I'm not really sure how the lawyer like did that. But either way, at least he had some type of conscience and was like, conscience, and was like, you know, hey FBI, like, you know, this is what's going on. So the FBI is investigating the lawyer's allegation, all while Reza Eslamenia is still trying to get conservatorship of his father's estate, and he was denied. But here's the funny thing, though, and this is like another gotcha moment. Hadayat's wealth didn't exist. Hadayat had lost his money and property after fleeing Iran five years before this incident. He wasn't worth $30 million anymore. He was actually close to being broke as hell. So, but Reza wouldn't know this because he's estranged from his father. So it's kind of like a, not an aha moment, but it's like you did all of this for nothing. Again, not Reza, but in hindsight like joe you did all of this for nothing like because you got nothing again but you know i don't know i don't know <laughs> moving on <laughs> on september 28th 1994 beverly hills pd arrests joe hunt jim Pittman, and dean carney for conspiracy robbery and the first degree murder of ron levin as well as conspiracy kidnapping and the murder of hadiah eslamenia Ben Dosti and Reza Eslamenia were later arrested and charged with the conspiracy, kidnapping, and second-degree murder of Hadai Eslamenia. Facing the death penalty if convicted, Dean Carney makes a full deal immunity with the prosecution in exchange for his testimony, which is wild considering what he was charged with. So he also gets to enter in the witness protection program on t like you know it's all included in his deal. So he basically like gets to walk away, start a whole new life as long as he testifies against his co-conspirators. Who wouldn't take that deal? And you're damn right Dean took it. Dean told them everything, every single thing, including where he and Joe had disposed of Hadiah's body, which was in Soledad Canyon. And off to a fire road called Indian Cannon, which is crazy because this is where they heard, not in this specific area, but this is where they heard that um, they dumped uh, Ron's body in Soledad Canyon. So Dean wound up taking them up to the, the area and authority found bones in the spot where Carney led them to. 
and the remains were identified via dental records as being that of Hadayat. Dean said that when him and Joe were taking Hadayat's body up and turned off of Soledad Canyon, Joe made a comment of, this is where we buried Ron Levin, way up on the top. Dean wasn't present for Ron's murder though, that was Joe and Jim Pittman. Levin's body has never been found, but Hunt and Pittman were arrested for um, Ron Levin's murder. Based on um, like a lot of things that I've seen, it's really hard to convict somebody of murder without a body. Um, but I'm pretty sure that all of the testimony and everything like that, you know, it seems like a pretty good circumstantial case. But, you know, who knows? Either way, Joe Hunt's trial for the murder of Levin actually began on February 3rd, 1987, and it was the talk of Beverly Hills. Basically, the downfall of this handsome young investment wonderkin, and, you know, it, everybody couldn't stop talking about it because it seemed like Joe had so much potential, and, you know, look at what happened. He basically killed this guy, you know, albeit he's not, like, a great person, but you still murdered somebody when you had all this potential. And... I feel like with, unfortunately, with Ron's um, reputation, I don't think a lot of people felt too bad about it, but, you know, it, everybody was talking about this case. So, as we see in these kinds of cases, uh, the BBC members wound up testifying against him. And although all these people testified against Joe, the defense stuck to the fact that Ron's body has never been found. So... They're, the defense side is not only insisting that uh, Joe is innocent, but they're saying that Ron was alive and in hiding, having run from the law to escape consequences of his own bad acts. So, uh, the defense was basically saying that Ron had committed one last con on Joe, which was framing him for his murder. The defense even calls a witness who claims to have seen Ron. But ultimately, Joe Hunt was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. A jury um, chose not to give him the de death penalty, which, eh, whatever. Um, now it's Jim Pittman. He's also tried for Ron's murder. The prosecution's theory was that Jim helped Joe kill Ron. The defense argued that Jim was being used and taken advantage of. They argued that Joe is so smart and he made it look like Jim was involved when he really wasn't. And after hearing the fact that Ron was really a con man who used and abused people and was being sued by everyone and their mama, the defense felt like the jury was starting to feel sympathy for Jim. And on top of the fact like, the defense kind of dressed Jim up, like, you know, put him in these nice clothes, these bright colors, you know, he kind of looked presentable, like somebody that couldn't commit a murder. I mean, his face, he looks like he commits felonies, but, you know, the defense, they did a really good job and Jim wound up having a hung jury. Yes, I know. I know. My thoughts, <laughs> when I found out he had a hung jury, I was like, how the fuck? But, you know, the defense did a really good job. And I think time and time again, we kind of see it's not really what you know. It's what you can prove in court. And so they did a really good job. It is what it is. Um, he's retried again for the murder of Ron and the jury deadlocks again. So at this point, the prosecution offers him a deal. 
He pleads guilty to one count of accessory to murder after the fact and possession of a concealed we uh, weapon, and then he's going to get sentenced to time served. At this point, Jim has already been in jail for three and a half years. He decides not to risk a possible conviction after a third trial, and then he takes the deal. But he still had to face trial for Hedaya Eslamenia's murder. But he's off the hook for this one, technically. So, uh, skip forward a little bit. April 14th, 1992, Joe Hunt's trial begins for the kidnapping and murder of Hedaya Eslamenia in San Mateo, California. Despite not even testifying in the Ron Levin trial, Joe Hunt, who had no formal legal training, he chose to defend himself. And he pinned the whole thing on Dean Carney, the prosecution's um, star witness, who, you know, in exchange for immunity, he was, he was out. He was done. So Joe Hunt didn't deny participating in the kidnapping, but he said that Dean Carney killed um, Hadiat. So he, he said, quote, there is one voice that will never be stifled, and that's the voice of an innocent man talking about his innocence. And this is what he said in court during, you know, his trial. The trial lasted for nine months, and in the end, he managed an 8-4 hung jury after 26 days of deliberations. So the judge had declared a mistrial, making Hunt reportedly the only person in San Mateo County legal history to defend himself in a capital murder case and not end up sentenced to death. Which is crazy because it's almost like he should have defended himself in the first trial. He probably would have got off. But whatever so prosecutors decided not to retry him because he's already going to jail for the rest of his life for ron levin's murder and so they dropped the charges in 1993 when prosecutors couldn't convict joe for the case they dismissed um jim's case as well so they were both off the hook for hadiah's murder so okay cool then <laughs> then let me tell you may 20th 1993 right they're kind of just whatever jim Pittman went and gave an interview on national television to speak on the bbc case and he admits in this interview that he shot ron levin at his home yes ladies and gentlemen you heard me correct he <laughs> yo i'm laughing this isn't funny but i'm laughing because this shit is crazy like i really want to know how he woke up one day and said yeah i'm just gonna go ahead and like confess this on national tv like whatever he literally confessed on national television that on joe's orders he shot ron in the back of the head so he said quote yes i did kill ron levin but i can't be tried for it twice and they cannot charge me for the murder of ron levin because they dropped it they dismissed it so it would be like double jeopardy to try me twice and he is a hundred percent correct which is fucking great it's like yo because we have the whole double jeopardy thing here in america and if you don't know what double jeopardy is it's basically like you can't get charged for the same thing twice so jim Pittman's case he was already he took a deal he was not guilty for the murder of um ron levin so he can't be tried for the murder of ron levin again so that's where we stand <laughs> so he goes on to say that they went to ron's house and 
Joe Hunt was angry and seeking revenge because Ron was the first person to ever make Joe look like a fool in front of the rest of the guys. And he made um, Ron write him a check for $1.3 million. So in excerpts of the, excerpts of the interview, um, Jim is saying that, you know, Ron conned him out of money and that he knew that um, Joe wanted to get even and he asked Jim to help him. So he's saying that, you know, Joe nodded and that was my signal to do what I had to do. That's what he said. Um, he says, quote, I shot him one time in the back of the head and he died immediately. Then we wrapped up Ron Levin really quick in a comforter. He then goes on to admit that the two then drove to Levin's body to um, Soledad Canyon and then disfigured it with tons of shotgun blasts so it could not be recognized and then buried it. So after his interview, Jim takes the police to Soledad Canyon to recover Ron's body, but they never find it. So I'm just kind of like literally when the brothers had, you know, went to the cops and said, look, this is this is what they said happened. It was dead ass true. Like there was no I don't think there was any inconsistency in that. So and Jim admitted it on TV and I (laughs) oh my God, honestly, I would be fucking pissed if I was a cop. Like the fact that you got away with murder and you know you're showing where the body i don't know it's just fucking nuts but anyway um jim jim pittman wound up passing away in 1997 due to kidney failure at the age of 44 so you know that's that the only one of the bbc members still behind bars is joe hunt who lost his final appear in appeal in 2016 In 2018, with the support of a free Joe Hunt campaign started by friends and family online, he petitioned then-California Governor Jerry Brown for a sentence commutation seeking the possibility of parole. He said, quote, I see other men similarly situated getting commutations and figured, why not me too? The website started on his behalf lists all the ways in which he's been a model prisoner for the past three-plus decades. He says, was I a catastrophic world-class jackass in 1984? No doubt. But it's not right that I get to be the garbage dump of everybody's peccadillos. Which, um, when I say that he's the only BBC member still in jail is because... So remember, Reza and Ben were both found guilty of um, Hadiah's kidnapping and murder. And they were sentenced to life in prison. But their convictions were overturned after serving 10 years when it was discovered that the jury accidentally heard a prejudicial tape recording that had never been admitted into evidence. And they couldn't be retried because um, Dean Carney, remember the, the their star witness who was now in um, witness protection program, he was still there and he refused to reveal the new identity that he had been living under. So with all of that, you know, they were let go. So Joe is literally the only person sitting in um, prison right now. Dean has supposedly become a licensed attorney and member of the California State Bar, but you know yeah it's it's crazy and then you know there's still speculation and people are adamant that ron levin is still alive running all over the world so there were sightings um like i think there were two sightings in phoenix one in la and one even in mykonos greece so people are still convinced that ron levin is still alive and yeah 
<laughs> Joe is still in prison, still fighting to be released, still fighting for at least parole. Um, and that's the story <laughs> of the BBC murders, you guys. I think this story is crazy for so many reasons. I think for one, um, Joe like greed get the best of him and I think that once he was kind of like on a high of trading and it was going good um he didn't let it go and he didn't want to come to terms with things and I think that once you get like that that bloodlust it's kind of over and I think it's unfortunate also that he's the only one still left in prison um granted do I think he should be released maybe not I don't know but the fact that nobody else is in jail for this for any type of like murder in relation to bbc is crazy like ben and reza got off on a tech technicality jim is dead and joe's you know still here fighting the good fight i i don't know it, it's crazy and even when i was like watching so there was like this episode on youtube that i was watching about this i had never heard of it so i was just like yo this shit is nuts absolutely nuts and he's still fighting from prison joe's like please get me out of here <laughs> so that's that um and i also read somewhere <laughs> random fact that um reza actually got arrested a few years ago for drugs or something in relation to drugs so i'm like yo that dude's a hot ass mess but <laughs> that's neither here nor there but he's another one i'm like how mad do you have to be at a parent to be willing to like <laughs> plan their murder i I would never even think that that would never even cross my mind but you know people are different people are different <laughs> and then also you gotta look at like the other people involved if this dude is so willing to kill his father because he hates him that much and wants his assets and this that and the other thing you gotta think the dude's a little nuts but again when you're backed up into a corner who knows what you'll do right I don't know <laughs> but yeah let me know you guys' thoughts what do you think of the story should joe be free um what do you think of jim Pittman? yo that interview's wild the fact that he admitted that shit on tv is crazy i would have took that shit to the grave uh, you heard me but yeah let me know your thoughts hit me up on the gram um april Selena. we'll be back next week with another episode but for now stay dangerous stay cute Stay doing you, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs>